Welcome to Arkansas AgCast, your source for the latest news and views in Arkansas agriculture. Arkansas AgCast is produced by the Arkansas Farm Bureau Federation. Welcome to the Arkansas AgCast for May 20th. I'm your host, Rob Anderson. On this week's edition, we hear about the recent Arkansas Supreme Court ruling on the state plant board, get the latest on cotton planting in Arkansas, and get to know Lauren McCullough, one of the hosts of Good Roots, the new Arkansas PBS segment sponsored by Arkansas Farm Bureau. First up, the deadline for optimal planting of the 2021 cotton crop is quickly approaching, but once again, wet weather is delaying planting and forcing growers to work late into the night to get the crop in. Bill Robertson, Extension Cotton Agronomist, spoke with Ken Moore about the outlook for this year's crop and how growers are able to achieve record yields despite challenges with the weather, weed control, and other factors. Welcome to AgCast. I'm Ken Moore, and this week I have the opportunity to talk to Bill Robertson. Bill, as you probably know, is a cotton agronomist with the University of Arkansas System Division of Agriculture, and Bill's a good friend, and we like to visit with our agronomist every spring to get an update on planting progress uh, for our major commodities that we grow here in Arkansas. And so, Bill, we're going to talk cotton. We really have waited until this month. This is the time of year, typically, we're coming up very close now in the next week or so, when most of the cotton needs to be in the ground. But uh, tell us kind of where we are and and how the uh, 2021 planting season compares with recent years. Yeah, Ken, I'm, I'm always glad to be uh, on, on with y'all and talk about our cotton crop. I love talking about cotton. But, you know, as you just mentioned, with the cotton planting, we're uh, just past the middle of May, almost May the 20th. And we should be getting into the point rows on finishing up planting. And we're still uh, pretty bad getting close to halfway. I think we're a little, probably a little bit past halfway now. Because uh, Mississippi County, our variety test got planted there today. And so that got, you know, we I have seven of my 13 tests in the ground right now. And so that kind of goes along with uh, kind of our, our, our planting percent statewide. But, you know, if you look at how we are this year compared to the last couple of years, the last couple of years, when we got into the middle of May, we only had about half of our um, projected plantings uh, acres in the ground. And you, you know, you look at the last two years. You know, last year uh, our USDA just finalized the uh, 2020 numbers, and we come in at 1,179 pounds, and that's our number two um, overall high yield on an acre basis. And and the record was set the year before. So the last two years, even with half of our crop only in the ground by the middle of May, which is, you know, our, our optimum winter for planting is the first 10 days of May. And so we had a late crop and, and we still had our two highest yields ever. And so there, there's still some optimism. But, you know, when, when we get to the 20th of May, when, you know, I first came to Arkansas in 95, and, you know, the, the rule of thumb that I learned for Arkansas then, and it's still very, very fitting today, is for every day we plant after May the 20th, we lose 2% yield potential. And, you know, you, you can nearly always visit with somebody, <laughs> Ken, and mm-hmm. they'll tell you, you see, I, I remember I planted one, one time in June, like uh, June the 3rd, June the 5th, and, you know, it's, a lot of times it's May the 37th or May the 35th, something like that, because we don't plant in June. But they made an excellent crop. But a lot of times we forget those those crops. Sometimes we plant the May the 20th or May the 25th, it didn't do very good. But we always seem like we always remember the good things, don't we? Yeah. Yes, sir. Uh, but technology for all commodities, I think, is really helping growers uh, be able to plant. Uh, you know, but farmers have to work long, hard hours when the the dry weather allows, and uh, you know these weekly rainfall events. <clears throat> even though it may not be just you know three and four and five inch rainfalls this spring, like we've had in the past, uh, any rain is going to kind of prevent them from getting the tractors in the fields. But uh, I was talking to one of our cotton farmers. He said he was planting well past midnight last week. Is that pretty common? Yeah. You know, I came here from Texas and I was just so surprised at the amount of equipment that a farmer has here with the same number of acres in Texas. Cause you know, we almost have double the amount of equipment. It didn't take me long to realize why we have so much more equipment. It's because our windows for planting are so narrow. You know, the last couple of years, we've had a lot of weeks in the prime window of planting where we might have 
a half a day where we could get in the field and plan on a Monday and maybe a full day or half a day on a Friday. And it, it, it raining all between. So when we get that opportunity or that little window to plant, man, we just have to pull our ears back and go as hard as we can. And some of the things that are helping us is, you know, we've got, we got very good quality seed. We've got good seed treatments and, and we have the, you know, our, 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 our seed people, um, have the technology and the equipment now to where we do a really good job. There's very low rates of, of product on those seeds, but we do a good job getting those on every seed. And so we get a good stand. So when we go out there with our 12 row planters and, and we're just putting seed in, we can cover a lot of acres really quick. You know, if, if we look at the amount of acres we have now, we're in the neighborhood of half a million acres. And with 12 row planters, if we have, if we have planters running statewide, we can, we can put 10% of our crop in, in a, in a good day. But that's for those farmers, you know, just like what you were talking about. They're, they're going from, from, uh, you know, some, I know some people that go almost 24 hours. They got somebody running that planter, you know, with RTK technology and all that. We can have those straight rows, even, even planting at night. Uh, we can, we can, we can really cover the ground. It's been encouraging for uh, bean growers, for corn growers, I think even for rice. Uh, grain prices uh, are up. They were depressed for a long time. Even cotton prices were depressed, as you know. Uh, yeah. And they've made a little rebound. But uh, how do cotton prices this year fare, and uh, how is that affecting our planted acres? What do you What do you think we're going to see this year? Well, you know, as, as the grain, you know, when, when we were looking at the end of the year last year, our grain prices were starting to come up and cotton prices were still kind of flat. We were thinking that, that we were going to lose some cotton ground. And then, you know, as bean prices went up, cotton seed prices went up, you know, that the gins get. And then we started seeing a, an increase in lint prices. So that, that kind of switched where um, we didn't feel like that, that we were going to be off that much. Um, I think the the USDA planning intentions had us off about 7%, you know, down 7% from last year. Uh, you know, the bean price, you know, the grain prices continue to go up. And as we get, as we get late in the, in the planting season where we are now, uh, you know, I feel like as far as some of our, our, our really strong varieties that tend to be a little later maturing in the, in the group of plant in the group of varieties that we plant here in Arkansas, that a lot of people switched away from some of our later maturing varieties and switching to some of our early maturing varieties. Uh, but, but I really feel like some of those that have the flexibility to, to look at maybe going to beans are, are looking pretty serious about going to that. Because, you know, bottom line is borrow way less money to grow proper beans, and mm-hmm. they come out a lot earlier. And, you know, every you know, family is very important. Farmers, you know, even though, when we're busy, we, we don't see our family very much, or they don't see their family very much. But right. having family time is very important. And so, uh, with the profit potential on a on a crop that's that's uh, maybe not as risky as cotton and some of that, it's it's a it's a pretty good alternative uh, to, to look at when we're we're into the situation we are. So what do you say? I think you mentioned a moment ago that we're going to have about a five hundred thousand acre crop this year. Uh, and how does that yeah. compare to what we harvested last year? Yeah, last year we harvested uh, five hundred twenty thousand. We we planted five hundred twenty-five thousand, and so they were thinking we we're going to be just a little bit shy of that half a million mark on, mm-hmm. on planted acres this year. I think I think the last year's state projection with seven percent down was was four hundred ninety-five thousand acres. Okay. But you know, we're you know we, we talked about a while ago we're going as fast and hard as we can with our planters. Uh, sometimes, you know, when we get all hands on deck with our planters, sometimes uh, we kind of let the spray rig kind of lag behind. And so it's really important for us to, to try to keep up with our herbicide program as close as we can behind the planter because uh, our narrow windows, you know, we, we, we've got to be timely with our herbicides and, and, and those, those are very important. Very true. Very, very true. Uh, you know, we talked with you a few years ago, uh, within the last two to three years, there was, you know, when cotton acres just plummeted up until about 2019, uh, gins were closing all over the Delta and, uh, 
But we started seeing some new construction uh, two years ago, and we had a couple of new gins actually built. Uh, some older existing gins were expanded. And I read there uh, recently in this article that we actually are up, I think, one gin. <laughs> I think we now have 30 yeah. active gins uh, this year to, to handle our harvest later this fall. Uh, talk about uh, the importance of that infrastructure. Yeah, that, that infrastructure is really critical. You know, you know, we talked about some of the technology we have in our in our tractors, uh, whether planters or RTK technology, so we can we can keep putting those straight rows in and go uh, way in the dark and 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 not be able to tell the difference what was planted in the day and what was planted at night. Uh, with our round moduling system, uh, when we put cotton uh, clean and dry into into that wrap, it stays that way, and so. If you want to think about, you know, a lot of times I hadn't heard anybody talk about the shelf life of modules in the field, but mm-hmm. but that has greatly increased the shelf life because we put cotton in good, it stays good. And so that's some, something that certainly helped. And with uh, flat, you know, with our uh, semi trucks with flat beds, instead of hauling four modules on a on a module truck, a traditional module truck, you know, a lot of times we can haul 10 or uh, or, you know, some flatbeds haul eight, but, but you can get rigs set up to haul 10 modules. So that has really expanded the, the reach of a gin to be able to economically gin cotton at a, at a greater range. But having these other gins in, like the gin in White County, that's really increasing the opportunity for people in, in Jackson County and, and, and some of these other surrounding areas with White County and Woodard County and some of those to have have a little bit closer place to gin some of their cotton. And uh, so I think that's good. You know, you look down at, at Winchester at that gin, they, they run right. a lot of cotton through that gin. And so so it's really good to have that extra gin capacity. And luckily we have the, the technology, we put that cotton in that module good and it's going to stay good. Because if you look at the quality, you know, we had a good year last year, you know, I said the USDA uh, updated, we had, 1,179 pounds is the state average, which is the second best. But if you look at the, the amount of cotton, the percentage that was genderable, and that's the, the cotton that, that fits the the quality criteria uh, for U.S. number two cotton, we had the highest percent uh, of any of the other states in the nation uh, meeting that quality. So, so bottom line is we had excellent quality on our cotton. And so, you know, again, when we put that cotton in those round modules, good, it stays good. And so that, that helps to some degree. But, you know, if, if we can't get our cotton ginned until January or February and, and get our clashing cards, we can't put it in the loan. So, so that's, uh, that, that kind of impacts our cash flow situation when we can't sell it for a while. So, uh, but, you know, those, those are some things that we just, we just have to work around. But, we had good yields and good quality in Arkansas, and, and certainly we were, we were blessed with that this last year. Well, we're, you know, Arkansas back in the day, uh, people that could drive through the Delta, uh, very, very common to see that sea of white in October, uh, county by county. I mean, it was cotton yeah. was king back in the day. Uh, oh, a million acres or better uh, back then. Yeah. We had gins. We had several counties that had, half a dozen gins countywide uh, because it was such an important commodity and crop to grow. Uh, what do you see the future, Bill, as uh, we go through these uncertain grain markets and then the importance of cotton uh, in rotation with other crops? I know a lot of cotton farmers with the advent of uh, these buying points, uh, the peanut shelling facility up in Jonesboro now, peanuts are a good crop to grow in rotation with cotton. And, and so will that, you know, help uh, sustain our cotton industry a little bit? Yeah, I, I, re- I really believe so. I think having more diversity in our cash crop is really a good thing. You know, I moved, I moved to Arkansas in 1995. And when I look back at 1995, 90% of the cotton in Arkansas was cotton after cotton after cotton. There were, there were a ton of fields that have never had anything in them but cotton. And then when we got farm law changed and we started having more rotation, uh, one of the big things that, that happened here was reniform nematode. They got to work. We just couldn't make a crop and we couldn't figure out what was going on. Then we figured out it was reniform nematode. Well, corn is a great rotation there. So then we started putting corn in and then we saw 
the corn did well, but the cotton did. Even two years after a corn crop, the cotton does so much better. So having that rotation in is big. And there's farmers across the state are very religious about their about their rotation with with uh, corn and our soybeans, and then follow that with corn, and to follow the corn with cotton, and to get back into that rotation. They're very serious on that rotation. They try to maintain that as much as they can, even even with fluctuating prices. But that has really done a lot to to improve the performance of the yield of, of the cotton we have. And between that and improved varieties, and, you know, I can't tell them my age here, but, you know, I came to Arkansas in 95, and we were still fighting bull. We didn't have right. the the BT technology. Yeah. And, and the BT technology and uh, the bowl eradication came about the same time. And that really, having those two things going on and reducing uh, the, the amount of time that a farmer had to spend addressing those fish really freed them up to be able to be better managers of the cotton. Because before, all they were doing, they were coordinating an airplane, coordinating a crew to go around on what fields they were going to spray and all this. And so now then, they had time to better manage your crop, to better manage your irrigation. So we made a lot of improvements on the timing of the fertilizer following the four R's putting the right amount out at the right time, at the right place, using the right source. So we've been able to use less fertilizer and keep our yields up and be more efficient with that. So that's good for the environment too, but it's good for our pocketbook. Uh, we're, we we are, have greatly improved how we get water on the field, pipe planter, things like that. We get the water out when the crop needs it. And, and so we're improving so many things that, that that's why, you know, when you look at our average yields, we're, you know, like 1,130-pound average for our five-year average. And, and I think we're ahead of all the other Mid-South states with regard to that. So it gives us a lot of time to be better farmers and be more efficient at what we do, which is good for our pocketbook. But it's good for the environment, too. Without question. I guess now for cotton farmers, like it may be also for our soybean growers, uh, is Palmer Amaranth now still enemy number one? And, and, and that's going to cost oh. our cotton growers a lot of money to try to fight that weed. Yeah. You, you know, you look at, you know, and, 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 and for the weed pressure, you know, soybean and cotton and, and even some other crops, you know, our two main pests in cotton is Palmer pigweed and our plant bug, tarnished plant bug. But that was, those are our two big, uh, Enemy number one is in cotton, and so those those are, are quite the challenge. And so we're we're you know we we we're looking at different things we can do for culture control, especially to help with with weeds and uh, with cover crops and some of those. So um, I don't know what's going to come down the pike with our you know our prices have really gone up this year. Um, you know with, when commodity prices go up, it seems like you know the price of equipment, the price of of our inputs all go up because, you know, everybody's kind of fighting for that, for that share of, of the price of a bushel of, of, of grain or the, the pound of lint. Um, so when, when we look at things, you know, price is going to go up and, and I'm hearing things where there's, we're going to have shortages of, of herbicides. There's to be possible shortages of fertilizer and prices wow. are going to go up. And so, you know, when we look at commodity prices going up, you know, we think, okay, like last year in our verification program, uh, if you look at our our out of pocket expenses, we had about five hundred fifty dollars per acre out of pocket expenses. And if you look at our fixed costs, about another hundred fifty dollars. So, so really, to to pay all of our bills and come out, you know, we had seven hundred dollars an acre in there. And so our total our our total expenses was fifty three cents down. But you know, a lot of times our price in the, you know last year was in the, in the sixty cent range. And so if we were paying rent on ground, you know, the landlord got 20, uh, 20% mm-hmm. of the cotton, then we had 66 cents into it. And so that's kind of, you know, kind of where, where our price was. So now then if, if the prices of our input say, say if I take last year's budget from our verification field, they say prices go up 25% on all of our inputs. Then, uh, if we pay rent, then we got 83 cents into it. And so the cotton market's not much more than that. So even though the price goes up, a lot of times we think we're thinking about last year's expenses and then this year's price, but our expenses are changing a lot. So, so it's just 
you know, you know, farm farming is a tough business. It's a, yes, it it's is. a, it's a big tough business. And, and, you know, I tell people all the time, you know, farming is easy. Heck, everybody can do it. But, um, but, you know, we, we still got to watch our P's and Q's, even though commodity prices are going up and things look pretty good. Uh, prices are, are going up all around us. Look how much gasoline's done. And, um, so anyway, it, it's, both ends, <laughs> both ends move on us all the time, don't they? Yes, they do. Yes, they do. Uh, uh, and, and it's been that way forever. But uh, yeah. farmers, like you say, uh, it's amazing with the research that's being done, these new technologies, eradicating that old bull weevil back in the day. Uh, yeah. That has all helped. And then despite the delayed planting and all, they've still got the second best average yield a year ago so who knows what they'll do this october but uh yeah. i have a feeling we're going to have a little bit hotter and maybe uh, a, a little bit drier summer once we get into june july and august so <laughs> you know we'll see yeah. what happens yeah the weatherman's talking about that high pressure system is going to kind of move over onto us and and i have a feeling it's going to turn off summer really quick and, and, you know, one of the old sayings here in Arkansas, we're never more than about two weeks away from a drought. But I, I really have a feeling before we get all of our seed in the ground, we're going to be, uh, we're going to be kind of looking for a rain to, to try to keep our, try to plant to where we got our seed and the moisture. And, and then the big thing is, is to have some moisture, some rain or something to help us activate our herbicides. So that is an important piece of the puzzle, uh, in our, in our production system. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, it's, it's, it seems like it's kind of uh, aggravation right now, but you never know, uh, <laughs> yeah, in, uh, in a month know. we could be crying and praying for rain. So we'll see what happens. Bill, yeah. thank you for the update. Uh, it's always good to visit with you, sir. And, uh, let's hope we have a good growing season and look forward to, uh, hearing what those yields are like, uh, in about four months, uh, when we get to harvest time. Sounds like a deal. All right. Been talking to Bill Robertson, the University of Arkansas System Division of Agriculture uh, Extension Cotton Agronomist on this edition of Arkansas AgCast. Next, Jason Brown sat down with Lauren McCullough, co-host of Good Roots, the new Arkansas PBS segment focused on Arkansas agriculture and rural life that airs monthly during Arkansas Week with Steve Barnes. Lauren talks about the importance of teaching Arkansans about the state's top industry and recaps a few of her favorite moments from the farm. Today, we are here to talk about Good Roots, a new segment that airs monthly as part of the Arkansas Week series on Arkansas PBS. Lauren, will you tell us about the segment uh, and your role on the show? Yeah, so the segment Good Roots uh, just started this spring. Uh, it's a Right now, it's a six to eight minute segment uh, within the Arkansas Week uh, show, which airs every Friday. But um, Arkansas, uh, excuse me, Good Roots is is a spot to highlight and showcase um, Arkansas farmers, um, both the, the ones that we hear about and know about often, but maybe even more importantly, the ones that we don't hear about and the ones that are not, um, not uh, highlighted, uh, but yet are just as much of our story and definitely have their own stories. And so that's what we want to do. We want to go out and find, uh, maybe some of those hidden jewels, if you will, that um, make Arkansas farming um, and make Arkansas agriculture what it is. Maybe it's a um, a soybean farmer, or maybe it's someone uh, that goes to the state capitol and fights for the you know the benefits. You know, it's all we're still early on in the in its life of good roots, but we've got a lot of um, cool ideas to really showcase this industry um, in our great state. So that's good roots. Um, my role, I have been fortunate to be asked to be a co-host um, right now, Logan Duval uh, with me and McGee market in North Little Rock. He is, he is my co-host and we um, plan to alternate um, each month. And so, um, as a, as a host, uh, to carry this storytelling to the viewers, um, I'm super excited. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, well, so tell me why is good roots important for Arkansas viewers? Why is this an important, an important, uh, segment, uh, within Arkansas week for, 
for Arkansans to see? Sure. I think it's going to allow a space and a voice to focus on this topic more than, than other, um, I don't want to say more than other media outlets do, but, um, I have a, a background in broadcast journalism and in the in the news business, um, we have sweeps and that's four times a year. Um, you'll notice news stations put their biggest and best award winning stories out there. And that's I mean, that's not a secret. That's um, that's how they get their ratings. And when Good Roots was um, introduced to me, kind of just described to me, it's it's what it's the type of story that I always wanted to or loved to do when I was a news reporter. I want to go out to the field in rural Arkansas and dig in the dirt with this 80-year-old farmer and hear his story and hear what he does and why he does it and why it's important. Um, and I think with with so many outlets and um, things to grab our attention these days, some of those just those old school stories get lost in the shuffle. And so uh, PBS, um, along with Arkansas Farm Bureau, is giving that, giving a platform to show Arkansas viewers, hey, you know, this is, I mean, no pun intended, but this is our roots. This is where your tomatoes come from. And this is the, the farm crew that's out there doing all of this and bringing it to your table, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally. Yeah, and g- good mention on Arkansas Farm Bureau. Uh, here, here, um, we are a financial sponsor of the of the segment, and and proud to be involved as well. So you bring yeah. up a good question. So you you have a history in uh, broadcast journalism, but I'm curious: is Goodroots your first work or first involvement, even even personally in agriculture? <clears throat> No, I grew up on a farm in Nashville, Arkansas, which is in Howard County down in the southwest corner. And um, we we had chickens, we had chicken houses. And but our main thing was uh, we we had Brangus cattle and we showed Brangus. Um, And then back up, both of my grandfathers had peach orchards and grew tomatoes and um, some people may remember Howard County used to be, it was called the peach capital of the world, but, oh man, my mouth is watering, literally just thinking about some Howard County peaches, um, that have unfortunately had a, a rough past few years. Anyway, I'm digressing, but, um, no, I think, no, this is not my first foray into agriculture. Um, we did not grow crops on our farm. Like I said, we were more, um, show cattle and and chickens um yeah well that's pretty so, diverse though poultry livestock history of uh you know fruit in the family and and things like that so it's great so so a bit of homecoming of sorts for you to be able to come in and jo- join the show and and or the segment and 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 showcase arkansas agriculture then Absolutely. I like that phrase that you said, homecoming. That's exactly it. It's a, um, I feel very comfortable with this, with this topic and this arena. Um, and I mean, anybody that, as I tell you, anybody, I, I'm not the, um, well, let's just say this, this is very much more my style of storytelling. It's the topic. It's the, the style of going out in the field, the getting my hands dirty, the, the this is, I feel like it's a good fit and I'm, I'm excited and, and thankful to be a part of it for sure. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. I think, I think you're, you're a natural from what I've seen so far. So that begs the question, how, how did you get involved in with good roots? Sure. Um, as I mentioned, I have a, a history in, in broadcast journalism, but, um, as of, as of late, I just do, uh, <clears throat> I do a, some on-camera um, work for different uh, clients and commercials and whatnot. Um, and I've got some colleagues that are over at Arkansas PBS that uh, we 
met a few years ago in the media industry. And I guess they just had faith in me that I could <laughs> could bring it to the screen and tell these stories in a way that they wanted to tell them um, and to to present it to Arkansans. And um, so I'm thankful that they had the faith that, to call me and they, you know, they, but in all seriousness, the logistics, they, they reached out and said, we've, you know, we've got this idea, we've got this going and we want to see if um, you would help host. And so I was like, absolutely. What do you need from me? Let's do this. And as with anything, I mean, I, I was a little excited, nervous. It was kind of like a job interview, but not really, but it's still like, ah, you know, and you know, when the, when they were like, all right, it's a go, let's do this. Um, I will tell you one thing funny, one of the producers that, that is a friend from, from previous life, <laughs> <laughs> they, uh, <clears throat> you know, I had to send in an, a little audition clip just to, to make sure for the people that didn't know me. And, uh, I just on a whim, I had my hair rolled that day and I, you know, put on some TV makeup and because I, that's, that's what you do. And, um, in one of our staff meetings, uh, this producer who, who knows me says, yeah, let's, um, let's kind of tone the hair down a little bit, you know, maybe get you a little, like a ponytail and, you know, just real natural makeup. And that's funny because like, that's cool. I, I can do, I'm, we're good. I can that's you, put right? the that's... hair in a ponytail. Yes. And, um, and it's a kind of a unique combination, you know, a, maybe some females. Now I'm not going to wear a ponytail on teeth or I've, I've got to have, my, you know, all my makeup on. And, hey, this is more about the story than, you know, I'm just here to try to tell it to you. So however you want me to um, tell that in a way that represents you well, just let me know. Yeah, that's great. That's fantastic. So, um you know, obviously we're, we're, we're fairly new. I think we're in month two, uh, with this segment, but I'm just curious, has there been a favorite moment uh, for you on the show so far? Oh, that's a tough question. So yeah. Uh, this past, this past episode, I got to go to Barnhill orchards just outside of Lone Oak. And we learned all about the strawberries from 90 or 91 year old, Mr. Bob Barnhill. Um, and then went over to Bemis Honeybee Farm. Ooh, so many favorites. Um, what if I say this? What if I pick two? What if I pick one from strawberries and one from honeys, honeybees? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Um, strawberries. You know what? I think my one of my favorite parts from um, Barnhill Orchards is <clears throat> when Mr. Barnhill they said that he warmed up to me and I'm thankful for that, but he would, he would just chat with me, you know, off, off camera, off record. Um, and he would constantly just give little tidbits of advice or like life lessons. And, and it was usually like, he's, he is spunky and spry for a 90, 91 year old man. And, but he was bragging about, um, being able to count back change and like the saying how that's important. And, you know, some people don't, can't count change back quickly these days or do the math in their head quickly these days. And he was saying, you know, when he's at a farmer's market and someone hands him a $20 bill he and he has his money folded just like this so that he can count it back to them quickly because that person in line behind them, if they have to wait too long, they're going to go to the next table and that's business. So money is time and time is money. And I just thought, this is awesome that you're standing here in your overalls telling me that Hey, people need to learn how to count money quickly. And, and, but you know, it's customer service and he's all about customer service. And it was just, I loved just the off record chatting with him. Um, and then of course the strawberries that he sent home with me, I can't complain about those. Um, and then as far as Bemis Honeybee Farm, that was the first time I'd ever put on the full suit. I felt kind of like an astronaut, but it was really cool. Um, and just being out there and, and squirting the smoke can, mm -hmm. I felt so official. Um, <laughs> I don't know that I did any good, but I, I felt like I was doing something important. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, no, that's great. I, you know, I didn't realize until I watched the segment that I've actually purchased 
uh, strawberries from him at Bernice Garden here in in Little Rock. Um, yes, and kind of felt a little little starstruck when I saw him on the program. And then our team actually had has has also recently done a story with Barnhill about strawberries and the strawberry shortcake at Trio. So it was uh, it's oh, kind of cool. Yeah, I guess yeah. it, I guess when it's strawberry season, everybody, you know, we we want to eat as much of those and tell those stories, you know, when we can. So that's great. Well, absolutely. So I'm curious now, you know, now that we've talked about some of your favorite moments, sort of how you got involved in the show, I'm curious, you know, what do you hope to achieve with your work on the show? I know, I know as a, as a host, your roles, you know, can be somewhat different sometimes than, than, than those maybe behind the camera or, or otherwise, or even the growers that you're talking to, but, but yeah, what would you, what would you hope to achieve when you when you go home at the end of the day that rest or that episode is is in the can what do you what do you sort of say to yourself like man i really hope folks get this out of out of that segment i like this question i have had this kind of mentality since for several years with um with creative storytelling with news reporting um, with with whatever role, uh, whatever hat I'm wearing as a storyteller and um, a communicator, I want, I, I feed off of, I love getting a story and, I mean, it's basically getting the story that otherwise people, nobody else is going to know and creating something that is entertaining, educational, easy to understand, but enlightening. Whoa, that was a lot of E words, but true. And for the audience to be inspired by, even if it's just one sentence from the whole story or, you know, encouraged to try something new or to, to research something more because of this story that they heard me tell that they otherwise would have never been in front of. Um, yeah, that's it, great. If, did that kind of make sense to you? Um, yeah, totally. The opportunities that I've been blessed with to, to hear, um, to hear things and to see things. I, I know, I know that a lot of people will never get those opportunities. And so um, I like to be able to use my platform to share them. Um, and hope that the listeners or the readers or whatever medium they're getting the information, the story, I hope that they walk away being, being blessed or being inspired than, you know, more than before they heard the story or read the story. Right. No, that's, no, I think that's fantastic. That's exactly, I think, yeah, I think that's exactly what, you know, what, what you guys are doing. And it, it makes me think of another question, you know, what is one thing, and, and you, maybe maybe this comes from your your personal history with agriculture, even even in addition to your you know your role on Good Roots. But what is one thing that Arkansans may not know about agriculture, but but you wish they did, or you wish you think they should know? This is another great question, and there are a lot of things to say. Um, I mean, the obvious that I would I would hope. I would hope that most Arkansans know just how huge of a role agriculture is in Arkansas. And I know that sounds silly talking to, you know, to some Farm Bureau guys, but I, I dare say they maybe there are a lot of Arkansans that don't. And that's unfortunate. Um, you know, as simple as you know, the poultry industry, you know, Tyson being a market like the market leader and rice being you know number one supplier of rice and you know just the things that we we in the industry know and take for granted for knowing you know just a oh that's part of you know talk about it all the day so many people maybe don't know that and that is unfortunate because it's we have a lot to be proud of but also um we have a lot to still teach about and educate people about. 
Um, I would also want Arkansans to realize how um, honorable the agriculture people are. It, it, it's an honorable uh, profession. It's an humble profession. Um, and I don't think that it gets the the glory sometimes that it not I know it doesn't get the glory that it deserves um near enough yeah it is the number one industry in Arkansas and uh I think that um yeah I think your your points are well made well as we wrap up here and I must thank you for your time uh, today I know you're very busy between photography and acting and broadcast and and everything that you have going on uh, my we, garden my garden too i know i was gonna they, <laughs> i can't believe they asked you for an audition tape you know if they follow you on instagram they'll see your your stories are basically filled with your plants and veggies and herbs and all that so well but those don't make me money so i guess i should get back to <laughs> stuff that does pay the bills i know i do a good job to keep rosemary alive on in my backyard but um <laughs> so how can listeners of this podcast see the good roots segment and the the good work that you and and logan and the whole team there at arkansas pbs are doing yeah absolutely so the easiest way to tell you to find these segments is um obviously the, the website is my org, and go on um at the top of their home screen is is a place to where it says how to watch, um, and I say that because you know they 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 air the segments on their website after it airs. Um, but if you want to watch it live on the second Friday of every month, um, with so many streaming you know sh- streaming outlets and all the different ways people get their TV now, the best way would be to go on there and find your provider and and find how to watch it there because it will be um pretty easy when you get there um but yeah just i'll go to arkansas my arkansas and click on your provider and find it there but then also the blog just if you want to read some kind of behind the scenes we we blog about our experience um that's on the website as well okay awesome that is perfect. Well, thank you so much for your time today. Appreciate appreciate the work you're doing for Arkansas Agriculture. Uh, appreciate the time that you've taken to to be a part of the Good Roots segment. And, uh, and a, a special thanks for your time today for the podcast. Thank you so much. It was it was an honor. And thanks for um, for y'all's support. Um, Farm Bureau, could we, we can do this without you guys. So thank you all. Sure thing. Finally, Keith Sutton talks to Arkansas Farm Bureau Director of Commodity Activities and Economics, Mark Lambert, about what's happening with the State Plant Board in light of the recent Arkansas Supreme Court ruling on the makeup of the board. Welcome to AgCast. I'm Keith Sutton with Arkansas Farm Bureau. Today, my guest is Mark Lambert, Director of Commodity Activities and Economics here at Farm Bureau. Mark, welcome to AgCast. Thanks Thanks for having me, Keith. Yeah, we, we want today to talk about the plant board. In the last two or three weeks, there's been a lot going on with our plant board. Probably we ought to start just so our listeners all are up to speed by just uh, telling folks what the plant board does. So the Arkansas State Plant Board is, a, is an agency within the uh, agriculture department um, in Arkansas, and in, in the simplest form, you could say that the plant board is the EPA's delegation in Arkansas. So the EPA delegates what, what the plant board does. But um, in the grand scheme of all their scopes of work, the plant board, they host weights and measures. They host uh, pesticides from your home all the way to the farm. Um, and a, I guess the interesting fact that that a lot of people don't realize is every scale that is in Arkansas is regulated by the weights and measures in which that is under the Arkansas state plant board. Um, whether it's a jewelry scale or you see a little tag at a, at a gas pump that it, uh, regulates how much gas you get. Um, 
they make sure that it's it's all accurate and as well as they do the the pesticide regulations and uh put forth those rules so they they really touch all of us in some way it's not just farmers but everybody in everyday life is affected by some of the things that are done by our plant board absolutely all the way from the jewelry store all the way to the farm so they 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 regulate everything so i'm sure our listeners have been aware there's some things going on down at the plant board that are kind of current right now uh they may have been hearing about some things happening and wondering really what's going on uh and we want to kind of alleviate some of the confusion and maybe tell them uh, a little more in depth about what's happening down there that might affect them. So um, backing up to to what the plant board is, it's an 18-member board. There's 16 members that are voting, two members that are non-voting, which are ex-officio members through the University of Arkansas system to um, look at scientific evidence. So this has been an ongoing um, ongoing process. They've uh, a group of farmers have filed lawsuit and they've appealed that lawsuit through the circuit court all the way to the Supreme Court. Um, and so that that ruling just came out on May the 6th. Um, interesting enough, there was a, a petition for rulemaking that happened about two months ago that, uh, an individual petitioned the board for rulemaking to say we wanted to use full federal label of dicamba in season, uh, which your dicamba products is your extended max, your extend beans, um, cotton. So what, what this did is the plant board said, okay, we're going to, we're going to accept this, uh, petition for rulemaking. And they set a date on May the 3rd for, to hear the, rulemaking and say, you know, are we going to accept this? Are we going to allow full federal label or are we going to go more strict? Um, In which, so in short, the plant board, they decided that uh, they're going to extend that cutoff uh, for dicamba. So farmers now have till June 30th. Um, They have a quarter mile. There's, there's certain, there's certain, restrictions on that on that label so there's a quarter mile buffer on non-dt crops which is your non-gmo beans and corn you know half mile buffer from specialty crops and that is defined by a thousand plants or three years at twenty five thousand dollars in sales or and a one mile buffer from university or usda experiment stations so that all took place on may the 3rd and all the while, this Supreme Court ruling that I mentioned before, it's been sitting at the Supreme Court, and everybody kind of just thought uh, that they might take it up eventually. They may not. Um, well, the morning of May the 6th, when this rule had to go to legislative review, at about 10 o'clock on May the 6th, the, plant, the Supreme Court met, and they ruled that the Arkansas State Plant Board was unconstitutional structure. Wow. Um, that was big news that day. It was it was big news that uh, kind of shook the world of the ag. Yeah. Um, well, we everyone started scrambling. What does this mean? What does this mean? Right. Um, that afternoon, they had a had a uh, a meeting for legislative review to review the rules, um, to accept the rules, or to send it back to the plant board at one o'clock. So a lot took place that day. Um, they said the nine members that are appointed or that are put on the plant board by associations are unconstitutional and they reversed and remanded with instructions to the circuit court to remove those nine members immediately. Um, I guess back during the legislative session, we all knew this, this was coming down. Everyone knew that this was, that this lawsuit was pending so um, a group of legislators filed a bill, and it ended up being Act 361 that said uh, the governor has to appoint and the Senate has to confirm those, those new members. Um, the interesting thing at the end of that bill, it said do not codify, in which the Supreme Court ruling 
pretty much null and voids that do not codify to our understanding. So, in short, we'll get a whole, I guess, a little over half the plant board will be all new members. All new. Brand new folks. Brand, brand new. Uh, those nine members that are, that are going to be voting members, they will have to be submitted to the governor. The governor will appoint them, and the Senate will have to confirm those new nine members. So do we anticipate that could take a while to make all that happen because the governor's got to approve them, then they have to go to the Senate. There may be some some people there who say yay or nay to different ones that we're hoping to see. Uh, that might take a little bit of time, I would guess. So the the way that we understand it is the circuit court has to act. So the Supreme Court threw it back to the circuit court to remove the nine members, the unconstitutional members. And from that, once they're removed, then the they'll have to go through the appointment process. Um, that could take a day. That could take a year. Um, so we really don't know at this point how long that might take. That's right. But the rules that, that the petition had are in effect right now so farmers can okay. uh, have the full – June 30th cutoff date for in-season use of, of uh, a low-volatile dicamba. dicamba. So I guess that, that was the one of the big questions our farmers needed to have answered, and, and really it's been answered for now. Right. Uh, they can follow those guidelines for dicamba that, that extend it to June the 30th. That, that is correct. Um, there are, I think there is pending litigation to um, stay the rule, um, but nothing has been nothing has been ruled on that uh, as of now. So, so I guess this is kind of a stay tuned situation. Absolutely. See what happens. That's why we do these podcasts every week. We try to keep everybody up to speed, and uh, you're always helpful in that regard. You're up up on top of things. So. Uh, I guess, is there anything else folks ought to know right now, Mark, uh, before we uh, conclude this podcast? Uh, there, There's really nothing nothing else. Uh, I think we covered everything. Um, like you said, it's a definitely wait and see um, when the courts rule and uh, what, what comes down the pipe. So. Well, I know there's been a lot of confusion from people trying to figure out really what's going on, and it seems like that's a – Pretty simple answer to a lot of questions. So we appreciate you being here today, and uh, we'll just keep folks up to date as we get new information they need to have. That'll work. Thank you, Mark. Thanks, Keith. That's all for another Arkansas AgCast. We'll be back next Thursday with all the latest on Arkansas agriculture.